BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being with us tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get the chance to talk to you and hopefully, uh, you know, share my experiences with listeners and 
don't know. So I'm, I'm really stoked to be here. Well, that's great. Um, I have to, I have to stay, state one thing that throughout the, the short time that I've been doing these shows, there's been, there's been some odd, and I don't want to call them coincidences. I, I look at them more as synchronicities and, mm-hmm. uh, for some reason, every time I would go to check iTunes for a review to see if anybody's been giving me any ratings or reviews, mm-hmm. for some reason, E.G. Holquin always stood out. I mean, it was a nice, uh, it was a nice review. Yeah. But I don't know that that was it. For some reason, that name, those letters the way it looked i don't know what it is i was always drawn to it that's that's really interesting it is and even so much as during uh the past few weeks when i was doing some promotional items to to take along with me to some of the conferences that i'm going to be doing over the summer Mm -hmm. a lady that helps me out with my social media she said you know i don't know who that holquin person is but that review really is interesting and you should try to get a hold of them. And <laughs> I said, well, there's really no way I can do that because you can't, you know, just because somebody left a review on iTunes doesn't give you the information to get a hold of those people. Right. I just thought it was, it was another synchronicity, another odd occurrence that you reached out to me in order to get in touch with one of my previous guests yeah. Which, which there were a lot of weird things that went on with that guest. Right. right. And there I am. I have the opportunity to finally talk to you about the experiences that you alluded to in your review. Right. Yeah. So, and that's, that's <laughs> and that's how, that's how you wound up here. And, uh, you know, after, yeah. after just a, a couple of moments of speaking with you yesterday, I immediately knew that you were going to be a great fit for the show. And uh, couldn't, thank you. couldn't couldn't wait to uh, to get you on here. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited to be here. Um, I mean, granted, I don't think that my experiences are that extraordinary, but like, I'm glad you think so. So, I'm really excited to share them. You know, I love talking about this kind of stuff, and you know, I find it interesting that um, my review stood out. Like, that wasn't necessarily my intention. I just wanted to be honest about how I felt about the show, and mm-hmm. you know, um, I actually I left it. Uh, I think after I watched the first, maybe the second episode, like I was like, I got to leave a review. I never do that. You know, I never leave reviews on things. And I was like, this man deserves it. You know, five <laughs> stars, you. like everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we really appreciate it here at the show. And uh, it does an awful lot for, for my ego. <laughs> um, yeah. it, it does a lot <laughs> okay. for, uh, for getting the show recognized in the algorithms that they use to pop up yeah. in people's, uh, uh, search categories so mm-hmm. they're they're an important thing but again thank you it was a lot of kind words and, and I truly do appreciate it uh, and I do appreciate you being here tonight with me so enough with that let's get into your experiences and uh, if you would just go ahead and take us on a journey yeah sure um so I guess they really started you know when I was a young child you know my mom has told me um I mean, this is just coming from her. I don't remember like what it was like when I was a three-year-old, but um, she told me that I always just said kind of interesting things to her. Um, 
you know, I brought up certain things that would eventually become true. And I always told her, and <laughs> when I was a toddler, right, I always said, oh, yeah, the ghostess has told me. Like, wouldn't you ask me about that? And um, there's this one specific experience um, when I was a toddler uh, that she told me later. And I, I kind of, like, was really, I found it really interesting. Um, I guess I had told her this whole elaborate story about how during Christmas time, um, basically there was going to be a house fire and that she was going to go in to rescue her cat and that she was going to die. That's kind of morbid for like a three-year-old to bring up, you know? Yeah. That's that's a little, that's a little deep. Yeah. So I guess they cautious, like cautiously, you know, had the electrical checked in the house and yeah, it turns out that there was a few uh, of the wires that were actually capable of potentially causing a a home fire. If it's like too much power was drawn from them, which would happen around Christmas time. So, you know, they got that fixed and I don't know, I always found that like super interesting, you know, that, that I told her that, um, you know, as a, as a very young child, um, specifically in that home, which I spent the most time in growing up. You know what um, I find uh, what, uh, and I don't mean to jump in on you, but what I find interesting uh-huh. is that your mother would have paid enough attention to it and not had to d- dismissed your your fable as being just, uh-huh. you know, what a, a little child would be saying, uh, that she actually, right. that she actually thought enough about it to, to look into it. And then well, think, on top of that, and then to finally admit to you that that was something that she acted on because of what you had said. Yeah. Um, I think that the biggest thing that stood out for her was mentioning the cat, um, and going back in to rescue that specific cat because, for her, that cat was like um, probably the animal that she bonded with like the deepest, you know, up to that point of her life. And um, I don't, and I, I guess just the overall like theme of it, like why would a three-year-old be saying like, oh yeah, during Christmas, you know, a house fire, you're going to go in to rescue the cat and then you're going to die. Like, I think, I don't know, like what three-year-old kind of comes up with that, like on, on the clicks like that, like it's just kind of, very imaginative, I guess, for a three-year-old to actually bring up, um, at least in my opinion, speaking with other, you know, three-year-old children, it's generally not until they're a little older, like five or six, like where they truly start to know about like death and like what that exactly. whole concept means, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think my dad being my dad, he, he brushed it off, but like my mom just wanted to be sure, I guess, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm happy, you know, that she listened. Oh, I'm sure. happy that you know, however I got that message, I don't, I don't know, but however I got that and relate it to her, I'm, I am happy that she was able to, uh, to, to, to figure out like, this is something, you know, we got to pay attention to. So, um, yeah, like it's just kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, that is odd. You're, and you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, in the mind of a three-year-old, you wouldn't think that they would have much of a concept of death or, or what even would cause yeah. You know, cause of death, let alone yeah. being a fire. Set right. Because, yeah. Set because of Christmas lights. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. Like, when she told me that, like, when I was older, like, I think I was in my teen years, about the time, you know, when she told me that, I was like, oh, that's like kind of like weird, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but that, when yeah. she did, when she did finally tell you that, that wasn't. There probably wasn't that much of a surprise to you based on the things that you have, you have alluded to me 
having happen no. throughout the rest of your life? No, um, definitely not. You know, I, I, the, actually, the reason why she brought it up is because I was kind of sharing my experiences of around that time with her. You know, so she was like, oh, yeah, like, while we're talking about this, this happened. And it was super, like, interesting. I was like, oh, you know, that's that's weird. That's cool, you know. Um, yeah, so I, I she never brought it up when I was, like, younger. I don't know if she, like, didn't think about it or if she didn't think I would understand what that meant. Or maybe she waited until I was starting to share my experiences with her uh, that she actually brought it up to me. You know, more of a coincidence factor than not, you know, like. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that was kidding, the, that, w- that was the first the first of the um, the strange strange words yeah. that came out of your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. I mean, as far as she told me, that's like the, I guess the beginning of my experiences. You know, um, so that's where it all began. Um, you know, and that house that I lived in was just kind of interesting you know um the house itself actually um and what i contribute a lot to the activity that was there that i experienced you know it was it was from what my parents have told me i i never verified with public records or anything but they told me that it was built on what used to be the old city dump before the city expanded and uh and they actually started you know building houses out there and, you know, I can kind of confirm this to an extent because when I was a kid, you know, I used to be out in the backyard, you know, digging, playing in the dirt. And I would find things like spoons or watches. I found a comb once. So to find those things in the ground just randomly, um, pretty like often, it kind of does corroborate like that maybe there was a city dump there. Um, so I think that whatever was in the earth there definitely could have energy like or emotions or imprints like attached to it um that definitely uh contributed to what i was experiencing in that house now that's that's interesting it's an interesting take on it because you know typically we hear um especially in um some of these ghost uh, ghost hunting shows on tv that you know there's certain items that they feel are uh a uh a catalyst or a um, have a close connection to its owner and mm-hmm. that that owner stays attached to that item as it moves along. But usually mm-hmm. that's something that you find that's still in somebody's house or a, a find a nice piece of uh, furniture or a jewelry box, right. or something mm-hmm. like that. You're talking about things that had been basically discarded and, yeah, and had um, no real, uh, no real value to anybody because they were quite possibly in a city dump. Yeah. So my, I guess my theory on it is that um, anything of like a physical permanence could probably have some type of emotional imprint on it um, or like just like an energetic imprint on it that necessarily, that doesn't necessarily have like an intelligent uh, active, like conscience, type spirit or energy attached to it so like say you're really angry right and you're i don't know eating a bowl of soup or something maybe part of that anger could manifest and attach itself to the spoons made out of metal you know they say that um certain materials like like natural materials like wood metal stone those things can kind of be like a recording or like a a a book of um like emotion and uh, events and that's why you like 
find that like uh, older homes or older buildings that have been standing around for decades, you know, tend to have a lot of activity. I think it's because it's imprinted within like the stone and the wood and it's just kind of replaying itself, you know, like a recording with certain environmental triggers. Yeah. And I guess what I was getting at with, as far as the, the ghost shows, they almost make it mm-hmm. seem like that that piece that would would have an attachment to it that there was something special to it. And what I find odd right. about what you're saying is, and not odd in a way that I don't believe you, but odd in a mm-hmm. in a way that I've never thought of before, is that literally anything could potentially have those those uh, those same attachments to it. Yeah, I mean, like, why couldn't it be possible? You know, I, I, I'm sure. And I've actually come across in my like paranormal investigating experiences that yes, objects that were very near and dear to someone, you know, could hold like memories or like uh, records of that person on them. But like, why couldn't it extend past that to like just everyday things? Yeah. Um, you know, like if you are experiencing a high emotional event while you're touching something or near something, maybe those emotions kind of get stuck or fused to that object for a better, I don't know how to explain it, but that's how I would explain it, I guess. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like it's just what I've thought about it, you know, is maybe as to what could have contributed, you know, to what I was experiencing as a child. So. Yeah. That's something I would not, I would never have, uh, I don't think I would have ever come up with that. Uh, hmm that way of looking at it for some reason, anytime mm-hmm. I ever saw that brought up in a show, it was always, I always assumed that that piece had to have mm-hmm. had a, some kind of a huge sentimental value or something that was very important to the, uh, the owner in their previous life that, that they mm-hmm. imprinted on. And, you know, why couldn't it just be something as simple as a, uh, a fork or a, a knife or a cutting board in a, in a kitchen where, a uh, a tragedy happened or somebody passed away or um, there was a, you know, some kind of an unfortunate uh, domestic altercation or something like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of my thought process. When I, 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 I guess, you know, um, unfortunately we don't know a lot about these kinds of things, you know, um, we can only guess, you know, it's just all theories. That's really what, you know, that whole paranormal community is. It's just based on theories and what people guess, you know, because we don't have a, a complete, accurate, scientific, you know. Method, yes. Study that we can do on it, you know. So beyond that, what, uh, what put you on the, on the track of becoming an investigator now, now as an adult? What other kind yeah, of so- experiences did you have? Mm-hmm. Um, again, back to that house, um, you know, when I was a young child, I have kind of disturbing, you know, memories of being, um, kind of like on the first floor landing, uh, by the front door, there was, you know, stairs that led down into like the half finished basement. And, um, I would be sitting there in the evening, nobody would be down there. The lights would be off and I would hear like a harmoni, like a harmonious layered voices that presented as both male and female kind of intertwined and they would be calling my name and they'd be like emily come down here like 
we want to play with you or Emily, don't be scared. And in my gut, I knew that I should not go down there. I, I was like, you know, five, six years old and I had these red flags popping off, you know, and, um, I don't know. Like there was just something about it, like where I just knew it was bad. If I went down there, it would not be good. And you, it happened you knew for it years. wasn't. You knew it wasn't mom and dad calling you. Oh no, they would be in the living room, and I could see them. Like there was nobody downstairs. My sister would be playing, you know, near me. Like there was nobody downstairs. We didn't have anybody else living in the house, you know. Um, and I knew. I just, I just knew. Like there was intuition. Maybe I don't know. Something was telling me, do not go down there, like, when that stuff was happening, you know? And it, it kind of seeded, like, a, a fear of that basement because well, I, I associated think. it. <laughs> yeah, I associated it with these, like, voices, you know, that I heard coming from the basement. And it would only come from the basement. Like, those, that specific voice, like, or voices, rather, I wouldn't hear them anywhere in the house. Just the basement. And, I mean, we had a cross, like, a cross space down there that we had some stuff stored in there, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. There was, it was, uh, terrifying. Like I, I would get like almost nauseous thinking about like, if I went down there, you know, and I was a little kid. Like I just knew that don't go down there. Don't go down there. Like whatever you do, don't go down there. And, um, was this something that happened repeatedly all, all the time, all the time? I mean, it wasn't like an everyday occurrence, but maybe once, twice monthly for years from probably like the age of like five to when I left that house and I was 10 going on 11, it happened often really? and it never stopped. Yeah. It, I, like I, it was, it happened that long. And what's interesting about that is recanting, you know, these stories with my sister as an adult, she says she had the same thing happen to her and she knew not to go downstairs and they would be calling her name and her name is Ashley and they would be saying the same thing to her trying to like, forced her to come downstairs and she knew that she shouldn't go and I found that you know really like neat you know it was cool because we had the same experience but I also like I empathized with her because I knew how it felt like being a child and hearing those voices and getting like a flight or fight response within you and knowing that if you go down there like it was going to be bad did you ever talk to your parents about this I told my mom as an adult, I never told them growing up, um, I guess mainly because anytime I brought anything up like that, like things that I had seen, the things that I had heard, you know, I was always shut down by my dad. He was like, oh, you're a child. It's your imagination. You know, you'll grow out of it. It'll be okay. So I never really brought it up um, as I was experiencing it. But uh, now what yeah, about, your, I, I what about your mom? Now your mom reacted to your, your, premonition as a as a little child how yeah, did how did she parents, view listening to your my parents actually split up when I was five so she wasn't around um you know in that house for like you know the majority of all these experiences happening there um but when I would tell her about it you know she was always like well I'm you know happy that you're listening to your gut you know I don't know how much she believes me but at, at least she was there to comfort me in it um, so that was, that was definitely really appreciated. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing quite as isolating as being a child that has a fear or experience something that caused them a good deal of fear and then having, yeah, and then having the people that they love that 
that protect them and keep them from harm dismiss it and don't mm-hmm. take you seriously. Yeah. It, I don't know. It just made me know that I couldn't go to my parents about certain things, specifically my dad, because I knew that he wasn't going to listen to me and he wasn't going to believe me. And there was nothing that he was going to do about it. You know, um, I don't know. It kind of, it made me for a long time, not really talk about these kinds of things with people. You know, as an adult, I grew into it and I embrace it and I'm happy for these experiences. But as a child, it was very isolating and, I don't know, like it, it made me feel bad about myself. Like there was something wrong with me or that I was crazy for experiencing these things and, and that it wasn't normal, you know? And, and now I'm happy to have the knowledge that it is normal. And a lot of people go through these things. And, you know, I'm just really grateful now as an adult to be able to have had those experiences. Yeah, it can, it can be a very, um, it can be a very liberating feeling when you get to the point in your life where you can talk about these things freely and not care about the people that roll their eyes. Oh, exactly. You know, um, it's, it's ultimately what, what led me into, you know, pursuing paranormal investigating and, you know, I want the answers as to why these events happen. And, you know, I'm not in it for the fame or the thrill. I'm in it to help people that are going through similar situations who don't know how to deal with it. Um, and to reassure them that, you know, what they're going through is most likely not negative and, you know, just being there like as a support system, because I know what it's like to not really feel that support system when you're dealing with things like that. Now, do I remember correctly? Was this the same house that you started hearing the footsteps? Yes. It's the same house. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Now this, this one, this one really got me. So yeah, let's let's get into that. (laughs) Sure. Um, so I was about eight years old. I'm pretty sure I was eight years old at the time and it was beginning to middle of December and I was hearing these loud, like footsteps on the roof and they sounded at human pace. You know, I could distinguish human footsteps from animal footsteps at this point. You know, it wasn't like quick scurrying or they were pretty significantly loud. Um, I, so my bedroom was actually on the top floor, so I could hear these like pretty loud and they, they were like above my room. And, you know, I complained to my dad about it. I was like, dad, like, I can't get any sleep at night. I'm hearing weird footsteps. He's like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's probably just squirrels or raccoons, you know, they get into walls of people's homes and they make a lot of noise and they scare people and it's going to be okay. Like probably just an animal. I was like, okay, okay, whatever. You know, I knew, or at least I'm pretty sure that I knew like, it's not an animal because it was, I don't know, very, very, very loud, you know, yeah. and, you know, animals have short legs and they don't take, you know, precise pause footsteps like that. And so there was this one night about, this is about two weeks of, of this happening every night. And I was laying in bed. I had a bunk bed that I shared with my sister. I was on the top bunk and we kept our bedroom door open. And, you know, the light from the hallway was flooding into the room. And I was just kind of staring at the doorway. And I'm just staring there because, you know, I have insomnia. I can't sleep. It's been a, you know, ongoing problem in my life. And just thinking, you know, and uh, I hear these two odd voices. Okay. And they're speaking a language that I do not understand. 
and I hit them outside of the doorway. And I can kind of visualize in my mind's eye, like whereabouts they are and about how tall they are based off their voices and, and just kind of what I was picking up from them. And they were like talking in a hushed tone. They weren't like being extremely loud, but I could hear them. It was quiet in my room. And as I'm looking at this doorway, I don't see anybody. I don't see no shadows, no, no people, no nothing. I can hear my dad and my stepmom downstairs in the living room watching TV talking, you know, and uh, they're like speaking, these, these two beings that are outside on my doorway, they're, they're speaking in a language. And this is the only way I can describe it because I don't have any knowledge about like how else to describe it, but it's kind of like tongues-esque and with a lot of clicking involved. Um, and I, I have no idea what they're saying. I can tell that it's two. They're talking back and forth. They have, you know, you know, I can tell that they're having a conversation about something. And they like duck into my room a little bit. They're, they're, they're significantly taller than to sit in the doorway about like a few inches. And they, they have to duck into, get into my room. Still can't see them. And they, they stop like a few feet into my room. And one of them starts like, I assume it was kind of like arguing and I start bickering back and forth about something, you know, you know, hushed tone. And one of the, one of them, they came and they slowly approached my bed. And once they got um, about like a foot or so in front of my bed, they start reaching up over the railing of my bunk bed. And as they're reaching up over the railing, a hand kind of starts to uncloak itself and materialize, like slowly from the fingertips, you know, down the hand, down the wrist, about halfway to the forearm. And as it's slowly reaching to me, it stops, okay? And this hand, I can get it, it's inches from me, like less than a foot from me, really close to my arm. It's about to grab me. And I can see this arm, this hand. And to me, it appeared like a dark skin tone color, like like black, because maybe because it was black in my room. But what I found odd was this hand was massive, okay? It had these really long fingers on it that were like, I mean, I was a child, so I wasn't really sure. But um, if I had a guess as, as an adult, like maybe eight inches long, and there was three of them on this hand. Like there was no thumb, just three fingers that I could see, and they were kind of like bulbousy round at the end. And the hand stops and pulls back quickly. And these two beings, they, they leave the room you know, they're being quiet. They leave. They're gone. I don't know where they went. Um, and I'm sitting there panicked, like grasping onto my blanket, like shaking almost because I was about to be taken or touched or harmed. And I didn't know what to do about it. And I was just holding onto the blankets, praying that they weren't going to come back. And, um, and they didn't. And after that night, you know, I didn't hear any more footsteps on the roof, like ever. And uh, for a long time, I actually assumed that these beings, you know, were demonic or something. I, I didn't know what they were. They were speaking a weird language. I had no no clue until um, in 2019. I actually went to the UFO festival in Roswell, and while I was there, I came across the booth of, of this man who had made these 3D sculptures of you know various alien species and races. Hands. And um, I found one that was identical to what I had seen. And it sent me almost into a panic attack because it brought everything back like, like PTSD and, you know, similar like that. I felt everything I felt as a child. And I was frozen there. And I didn't know if I should approach him and talk to him about it or not. I didn't. I should have because I, I now I want to know more. 
but at the time I was I was terrified. I was shaking. Uh, it scared it scared me, you know, because <laughs> it was such a it was such a the, the event had left a lasting like imprint on me. So that you literally changed how I thought about things. He literally had a three D printed sculpture of a hand or m- several mm-hmm. hands of different yeah. alien species. Yes. And one of them matched up exactly to what you remember seeing. Absolutely. 100%. Like basically like the, the, the length looks the same, the structure looks the same. And I was, I didn't know what to do about it because I never considered alien at that point. I always assumed like, Oh, maybe it's like a demon or something, you know, never considered it being an alien. Um, and it, it, it left something in me like where I was like, I don't know what to do with this information. Like I'm, you know, it was, uh, it was shocking, you know, like, it's not that I don't believe that aliens exist. You know, I definitely do. I definitely think that there's a huge possibility, you know, it's, there's too many stories throughout human history mm-hmm. for it to just be a coincidence, you know? And, um, I don't know. I just never thought that this would happen to me or that it did happen to me at one point until I saw that, that model of that hand. Now, when you said you saw the hand starting to reach up over the railing of your bunk bed, Mm-hmm. You, you said it, it appeared to like begin to uncloak. Yes. Like, uh, um, I guess, uh, I don't want to say like manifest cause it was there. I knew it was there, but what had happened is it, it kind of started becoming like, you know, it uncloaked itself. It was like, it was invisible and it just kind of like melted away starting from the fingertips, you know, as it was like getting closer to me and it got, you know, like halfway to the forearm. And that's what was revealed at that point. And the rest of the being was cloaked. The other being was still at this time, like invisible. I couldn't see them. You couldn't um, see, you couldn't see anything. There, no, there was no, no physical representation. No, nothing. There was no, like no mirage type, uh, anything like, you know, like when you see like heat coming off of like a pavement and you can mm-hmm. it, like distort the image, it, nothing, nothing like that. It was completely invisible until this hand appeared but you were and still aware that they had i was 100 percent aware of where they were i was on high alert i could tell their height you know what, they what were would like, you guess their height to be oh i i mean i don't know what the average height of a door frame is but at least four inches taller than that taller than the door frame yes because they had a duck when they came into my room they ducked slightly and i could i could sense that they were ducking like sideways their head a little bit and one came in, the next one came in, they both stuck. They were about the same height. Um, yeah, they were pretty tall. It was, it was scary. It's interesting that you have so many details without actually having a physical representation of them in front of you. It's like your mind's eye was seeing something. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of is I could spatially tell where they were, how tall they were, their general movement. You know, I couldn't like see their faces or anything. I don't know what they look like. Um, I could tell that they were tall, slightly like thin frame, like they weren't, you know, big boys or anything like that. Like they were slightly thin. Um, yeah. And it was just really, I'm sorry. Like this is like talking about it sometimes kind of, um, gets my adrenaline pumping. Cause oh, I, I, I totally just, get that. Yeah. Um, and where was, know, it was just, where was your sister at this point? Oh, she was sleeping below me. They didn't want anything to do with her. They were all like interested in me. And I thought that was really interesting and kind of odd. And 
I was scared. I was scared that I was going to be taken from my home. Nobody was going to know where I went. It was scary. And she had no recollection of any of this going on. No, she was, she was asleep at this point. Um, you know, she falls asleep pretty quickly. Uh, it takes me at least 30 minutes to an hour before my brain just kind of quiets itself enough to where I can fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I don't know why I wasn't taken or harmed or whatever they were going to do. I don't know why. I don't know why they stopped. You know, that's something that always kind of stuck with me. Like, like why, why didn't it happen? Like, what caused them to stop and, like, leave quickly? And what was your age at this point? I was eight. Wow. That had to be terrifying. I was, oh my God, I was scared. I was so scared. Um, Definitely the most terrifying out of every experience I've ever had in my life. It was, it was terrifying. Like I was clenching onto my blankets so tightly. Like they were like kind of over my face. You know, I could just see with my eyes and I had the blankets kind of pulled up. Like I was, I was scared. I was so scared. And I mean, it's interesting though, because I don't know why I was that scared. I mean, aside from being taken that these things were not human and, but like their intention didn't seem like ill towards me. I don't know what it was. They, I don't know why. I don't know if I was like selected or like why, you know, like why was I hearing those footsteps for weeks before? You know, like, why did they stop when they left? Like, what, what happened? I just don't, I don't know. You know, I don't have those answers. Yeah, that's so strange. Now, did you ever, did you ever, I'm going to ask this again, but I'm pretty sure I know the answer. You probably never uh brought this up with your father. Heck no. No way. Like, no, because if I told him, he would just. I don't know, like he would think I'm crazy <laughs> or that I was sleeping or something. And, you know, at, at this point, like I had already known, like I can't trust my dad was, was telling him my concerns about this stuff. Right. He's not going to take it seriously. And, you know, kind of a shame, you know, because if my kid came towards me with stuff like that, you know, I would approach it differently, I guess. You know, I would maybe not necessarily jump right in and confirm their fears, but I would listen to them, you know. Mm-hmm. He just kind of brushed it off. Well, I, I grew up in this, in a similar household where mm-hmm. um, those kind of things were frowned on. Um, mm-hmm. Overactive imagination. Oh, you're silly. Mm-hmm. Quit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to take your books away from you if you keep talking about this stuff. I'm not going to let you watch these mm-hmm. shows anymore. You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my dad told me at one point that I was watching too many paranormal TV shows. Because, I mean, at this time, you know, when I was a child, uh, all that stuff was like really becoming mainstream media. Um, you know, specifically ghost shows, like mm-hmm. Ghost Adventures was starting, you know, all that stuff. Like when I was growing up, like it was really hitting into mainstream media. So he thought, you know, I was just being influenced by it or something. I don't yeah. know, but. Uh, can I ask how old are you now? Uh, I'm about to be 25. Okay. So yeah. it hasn't been that terribly long in the stretch of a, a, a young life um, no. since you've had this experience. How has that changed your perspective on, on this, what we, what we recognize as our physical reality? Um, I definitely think it's allowed me to have a deeper, more developed understanding than 
you know, um, than the typical Christian teachings, which is, you know, you're born and you're born and you're here because God is the creator of everything. And, um, you know, the Bible is the word. And if you don't follow the Bible, then you're crazy. And um, if you have anything different to say about life and death, then, you know, there's something wrong with you and you need to go to church more. And um, overall, I just think that it's allowed me to be more open-minded about everything, you know, um, in, in, in regular experiences as well as, you know, the paranormal world. Yeah. Uh, I think that I'm a more understanding, more empathetic person because of it. Um, I definitely, I, it's <laughs> because of these experiences that I had as a child, I definitely am more hungry to like learn about this kind of stuff. And maybe if I didn't experience the stuff, I would just be like, Oh, it's just, you know, it's whatever, you know, but like, I don't know. I'm, I love, I love this world. I love the things that we can't explain. You know, I, I absolutely love it. Like, I am so blessed that I've had these experiences as a child that has allowed me to have a different view on the way that the world works and that not everything we see is black and white, that there's this huge gray area of things that we aren't, you know, completely aware of that we've heard stories of that there has to be some weight in because so many people of different cultures of different generations have told them, you know, there has to be weight to it. It's not like how, how, like, okay, so I've always heard that, you know, the human mind can only come up with things that it, that it knows. Well, what if you experience something and you never thought of that as a possibility and you tell your story and you realize that other people have had the same story. Right. There has to be weight to that. You know, there has to be something, some like substance to what you're saying that, you know, validates other people's experiences. And that's been one of my I guess one of my goals with this show mm-hmm. is to to one give people an outlet to to tell their stories without mm-hmm. being judged and to right. have a, a good deep conversation about those episodes in their lives mm-hmm. but also for the listeners that maybe don't have the the courage to step up and and talk about it or have anybody in their life that they can relay their experiences to at least hearing other people talk about this stuff. Even if it's only one other person, it does give validation to an experience that you may have had. Absolutely. Cause I know with like my own, I don't want to, I don't know. I don't know if I should call it an alien experience. It's just what I have found. in in terms of like researching it, it's what fits the bill the most. Right. Mm -hmm. And I haven't found anything that explains that type of language or like uncloaking of hands. And, you know, when you, when you research into this thing, you know, it's like the typical taking a board onto a mothership and, you know, people tend to have those experiences. They're implanted with something, you know, they're used for scientific purposes. I don't know what my purpose was, you know, maybe it was to be like that, but I never saw them clearly, so I can't definitively say, oh, yes, you know, it's a big head, skinny body, gray, big eyes. You know, I, I, I can't say that. And I, I just haven't found anything really in my research, of, like on the Internet, uh, that confirms or other people have experienced the same thing. So I'm hoping with it talking about this, you know, maybe there's somebody out there that has 
experienced that as well. But here's this podcast, and I'm like, oh my goodness, me too, you know? Yeah. Have you ever considered regressive uh, hypnosis? I have, but I'm also kind of uh, hesitant about it because, you know, I don't, okay, so I don't know if it's going to bring up, like, so I had a friend recently who I talked to this, you know, thing about. He's actually, he's a paranormal investigator, you know, too, but he works alone. And I brought up all the stuff to him and he's like, you know, there's people say that say like you lose your memory when you're taken. I'm like, please don't tell me this. Like, <laughs> Yeah. That's, that, that is one common report that, that you're, they basically have an ability to wipe your, your memory of. Right. And you know, maybe that did happen. And I don't know if getting that information, if I was taken and placed back and I just saw them quickly leave. Um, I don't know if I would be able to deal with that at this moment. You know, I think it would take some time of, of getting, you know, digesting that information. And I don't know if I'm just quite there yet. You know, I'm okay to talk about it, but I don't know um, in terms of like the what if, like what if more happens? Mm-hmm. You know, what if, what if my experience, I don't remember everything. I don't know how that would sit with me at this moment in time. You know, I'm, it's still a fairly fresh thing, you know, in terms of like how people live their lives and how old they get and, um, maybe in the future, you know, I'll be to that point. Like I, I've recently like got okay with it, maybe being like a, an alien encounter of some sort and not demons, you know? So, um, <laughs> uh, which yeah, would be worse. When I found that out. I mean, which, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't, you don't know the, uh, at that point. yeah, you don't know the, uh, the intent behind either one of the, uh, the experiences, whether it be demonic or, well, I think you do know if it's demonic, it's not good. Yeah, definitely yeah, not good. Absolutely. But, and yeah. I guess I, I ask the the question about the regressive hypnosis because I've I've read reports of other people having experiences where their their vision is obscured. They they see mm-hmm. an they they see an entity, but it's like for you, it was completely invisible. Uh, but there yeah. are reports of other people who have had experiences with basically it sounds like they were cloaked, but they mm-hmm. were still able to see the outline of the, right. of the and entities. And But yet under regressive hypnosis, uh-huh. that, was a, that was a physical manifestation of them being able to make it so that you can't see them. But during huh. the hypnosis, that that veil is lifted and your, your, your subconscious is actually able to see what was there. Hmm. Now, I guess I would consider it if, um, during the hypnosis, you know, the doctor or whoever's performing that, uh, made it to where it wasn't, wouldn't give me an emotional impact. I, I would definitely consider it then. Cause I mean, as much as I want to know about it, I'm also kind of terrified of like the what if about it. Um, and I just feel like that's like the major hurdle that I have in overcoming it in order, in order to be able to like learn more about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh that's a, that's a creepy, that's a creepy situation. <laughs> no matter how you cut yeah. it. it is, uh, <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't want to put any thoughts into your head, but you know, the way, mm-hmm. you, the way you were describing the hand as it was uncloaking, 
I'm almost wondering if what you were seeing was the remnant of them putting you back. Maybe, rather, you know, it's, it's very than, possible rather than coming to take you, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible. I mean, but. yeah, I, like I, I never even considered the possibility of like a memory wipe until my friend had mentioned it like literally a couple weeks ago. And gosh, I don't know. It's kind of, I don't know. It's just still like something that I'm thinking on, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I don't think about it like every day. I don't even think about it, you know, every month, but every now and then the situation will happen and, and something just kind of sparks it, you know, it'll be random out of the blue. And I remember like in, in so much detail, like how I was laying in bed, how I was looking out the door, how the light was flooding into the room. All of these things are crystal clear except for, you know, these, these entities or beings or whatever they were, you know, coming in. I, I don't know what they looked like. I could tell that they were tall. I could tell their general movement. I could hear them speak. I don't know what they were saying, but I could tell that they were arguing at one point, you know, and, and they left quickly. And it's always left a lot of questions, you know, inside of me that, like, why, you know? Yeah. That seems to be a question that gets asked a lot about any number Mm -hmm. of high strangeness encounters or experiences is why me? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there's really not many people out there that can answer that question. Yeah, I don't think really anyone could actually accurately answer that question. It's such a it's such a hushed about topic that only happens to a select few people, it seems. I mean, maybe it's a lot larger of a number and people just don't talk about it. You know, it's always a possibility. But when you try to like research into it, I just feel like you're always left with more answers. And I don't know. It's just interesting. And I guess that's what, um, you know, people who have had experiences and I've had several experiences and they kind of run the gambit of, mm-hmm. of high strangeness and, it's not it's not often easy to admit that you've had experiences in multiple um categories because people right. they look at you like you're nuts when you tell them about one but if you lay out three or four different things then they <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. then they're walking out of the room then they're but, really questioning it yeah <laughs> but you know that's i think that's where you know my my passion for uh basically just digging into things as far as I could um, with, mm-hmm. with the available information that's out there. And, you know, at the beginning of uh, the beginning of the time that I was at had my first couple of experiences, the internet wasn't even a thing. So, right. you know, you really didn't have um, other than having access to a library, you didn't have information at your fingertips where you could mm-hmm. spend an entire evening on, on YouTube or uh, um, just, browsing online at, at different experiences mm-hmm. and, and trying to find something that was similar to what you had gone through. Mm-hmm. So for, for many of us today, it, it, it's a much, I don't know that the questions are getting answered any better than they would have 30 years ago, mm-hmm. but at least, at least you have options as far as looking into the experiences that you've had. Yeah, and I guess that because of the internet being such a, a huge thing that everybody uses, 
Um, it connects you with people that had experiences. Even if you don't physically talk to them, at least you know, like, there's other people out there like me. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's like a, a really good reassuring thing, you know, and I, it's great. It's a great tool to have, you know, to know that you're not alone. Exactly. Now, at one point in the information that you sent me, you, um, you had made the comment, the furtherance of your gifts. Yeah. And that struck me and it's kind of stuck with me. At some point you have reached an age now where you have decided that you have, you have a gift and yeah, let's, let's talk about that. When did that happen? And, um, how did you, how did you begin to pursue things after that? Um, Sure. Uh, so I guess when I really started noticing the development of them, I was going through puberty. So it was like 11, 12, 13 is really when I started experiencing things deeper. And by deeper, I mean, so a lot of things that I pick up on, um, and I use this as a tool when I'm investigating actually, is I, I see a lot of things with my mind's eye. Okay. I can sense things with my mind's eye. It's not like I see a flesh and blood person, but I can see what the person that I come across looks like. And I can tell, like, facially where they're at, what they're doing, what they're trying to convey with body emotion. And I can also feel, um, like, what they're trying to say with emotions. And then sometimes, in my mind, I, I get visions of what they're trying to show me or explain me. And it's not, I don't know, I wish it was something that I could tap into easier. Like, I could I could just whip it out, like, on a whim. Mm-hmm. Um I guess, like, generally, for people to be able to do that, they need some type of, like, mentor uh, to, like, guide them in how to actually be able to unblock certain things to be able to use it how to all culti- the time. Halt- how to cultivate the uh, the gift. Right. And I don't know, like, as it was happening when I was a, like a, a preteen, you know, going into my early teen years, um, you know, the internet was a thing. So I was looking into it, you know, I was like curious about why I was seeing certain things, you know, as a child, most of what I was experiencing was just voices and, you know, people like telling me certain things. But as I was getting older, I started seeing manifestations of like physical things. I was able to see, I guess, the way that spirits or energies want to convey themselves to me. Um, and I was also able to pick up on, on emotion and I was really curious about this, you know. What kind of things um, so were you, was, what kind of things did you see manifest? Okay, so at this at this time when I was like a preteen, early in the teen years, what I was seeing were a lot of these like cloud like wispy like things. Okay. It was like self contained clouds. Okay. And I could tell what they were and what they were doing. And you know, sometimes they would just be like passerbys or uh, there's this one experience that I had where I was walking home from the bus stop. I lived out in the country at this time. My bus was about like, I don't know, a little over a mile away from my house. So, you know, I, I get into my yard and our front yard is, you know, really long. We had a, a long, a long driveway and uh, I was just cutting across the grass with my sister. And the first time I saw one of these like self-contained clouds, um, it kind of like appeared by my feet. And it was like small. It was like, I don't know, no larger than the size of like a cantaloupe or something. Mm-hmm. It was pretty tiny. And it was kind of like hopping around and like playing around by my feet. And it was trying to get my attention. And I was like, 
And in my head, I was like, this is a rabbit. Like, I don't know why I know this. And I sat there and I was staring at it for like a ghost 10 rabbit? seconds or something. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It was like a rabbit. And I, I don't know. Like, it was just there. And uh, and my sister was like, she looked at me like I was crazy. She's like, what are you doing? Like, let's go to the house. It's hot. I'm like, you don't see this? She's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, there's like a little cloud here. And she's like, shut up. Come on. And then. And, you know, and then it, it left. It was only there for like 15, 20 seconds at most. But it was I was in awe, like, seeing this. It was a, a really beautiful thing to see. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is super cool. Like, this is random, but I love it, you know? <laughs> and then uh, I had this other experience where, I don't know, like a half a year later or so, I'm sitting in my living room with my dad. And my dad's on the other couch. I'm on, like, the little, like, love seat couch thing. He's on the, on the major couch. I'm looking at him and we're having a, like a conversation. He, he's tired and it's like later in the evening. And I see another one of these clouds manifest, right? It just pops up, you know, a couple feet away from him. And it slowly starts drifting to him. And it's, it's small. It's like, I don't know, the size of like a pillow or something. It's not huge or anything. And it's similar in appearance. It's like self-contained. It's really white. It's thick and fluffy looking. But like it kind of like rolls onto itself, you know? And it's just moving slowly. And it, as it goes behind him, he gets like actual shivers, you know? And I just sat there and I, I must have gotten this like like stupid expression on my face or something. My dad listened. He's like, what? And I, was like, I was like, oh, nothing. And, and then it, you know, it, it travels like a, another foot or so away from him and it kind of dissipates. And I just found it, I don't know, I guess reassuring to me that I wasn't like, going through some psychosis or anything because he he happened to have you saw his physical reaction to it yes a physical reaction he had shivers like when it went behind him and that's i don't know like that's one of those things that i have kept with me that like no this is validating to me i am not insane like the coincidence for that to happen would be ridiculous you know like you don't walk around having like chills and shivers all the time it's a rare occurrence that happens every now and then yeah and to see him have that reaction, literally as inches behind his neck and head, it, I don't know, it, I was like amazed by that. You know, it was, I, I felt good that I, I had that validation that it wasn't something that my brain was just coming up with. Hmm. Now you said like when you would see these things, you would get uh, like a, an emotional feedback or a, um, an understanding of what they were trying to convey to you. Mm-hmm. Did you ever from that, from that specific instance, did you ever get any kind of indication that they did that because maybe you were questioning well, whether or not you really were seeing what you saw? Well, with that, giving, specific, <laughs> that specific incident, um, no, that one was just more of like a passerby, not really paying attention to anything kind of came in and came out. I don't know if it was like meant as a signal to me. I didn't pick that up. And the emotion that I got from it was just kind of like, like blah. Like there was like nothing really happening there. It wasn't having like a specific emotion one way or another. Um, So, I mean, I don't know. I just thought like maybe I was just like more in shock and I wasn't really paying attention to what I was picking up on. But I don't, like like with the rabbit i could tell instantly that it was a rabbit it was trying to play with me it was like trying to get my attention for something with this incident um it it, it just felt like 
I don't know. It was just there, you know, I just witnessed it happen. And I don't know, I thought it was super cool. Like, I mean, I didn't tell my dad, you know, he looked at me like I was crazy and I didn't tell him, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, now are, are you like wholeheartedly convinced that, that, that one was a rabbit? Absolutely. 100%. And I have, uh, there's a few other times, like, you know, as an adult where I have seen uh, other animal spirits, I guess, uh, I saw a cat in my mom's house jump off of her couch, but that one was, I could like see like a, a distortion in the atmosphere in the shape of a cat and it jumped off of her couch. And my mom has a lot of animals. She's got like, well, at the time she had three dogs and like five cats or something like that. And so I told her and she thought it was really, I told her as it happened, I was like, so the thing is couch next to her. She's like, what? Like, what do you see? I'm like, mom, like you have like a, a ghost cat or something hanging out with you. She's like, oh, do you think it's, you know, her old cat from the very first story from like when I was a toddler? She asked if I thought it was that cat. I was like, I don't know. But, you know, it's here. So like, that's cool. Which is interesting because I mean, many religions teach that we're the only the beings on this earth that have souls. Which and I think is kind of like horse crap, you know, like, I don't know I, why. Okay. You know, when people say like that dogs and cats don't feel emotion, like mm, how can you look into their eyes and, and really truly believe that, you know, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like there has to be something there, you know, it's not just like it's a, like, like a fridge came alive, you know, or something. It's not like that. It's, it's a living, breathing, organic being. And, it has, a, and it has energy. Of, it has energy. Yeah, and they, they remember. They remember things. You know? Wow. Like the, I don't know. Sometimes when I hear stories about animals that are in a spirit form, mm-hmm. um, it's almost more amazing to me than, this is going to be weird to say, but it's almost more amazing to, to hear that than a story about somebody who sees the ghost or the spirit of person who's passed on because because it opens it opens the door to something that I've kind of always believed and that is that every living thing has has an energy and a Mm -hmm. um, when that no longer exists it's got to go somewhere just as absolutely just as well as we do Mm -hmm. and yeah that's interesting yeah I mean I don't know if I would go as far as to say that it's like a soul, but there definitely is energy to everyone. I mean, your brain creates these like snapses and it, it's another electrical current happening through your body. And when you die, you know, what happens to that energy? Does it just dissipate? Does it stick around? Like, you know, like that's, that, that's one of those things that I love about the paranormal field. You know, I love learning about all of this kind of stuff and experiencing it firsthand. And, you know, it, it's just great. I love it so much. It's, my greatest hobby. <laughs> it is very interesting. You can get lost so easily on, on any one mm-hmm. of the, any one of the topics. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's just so much like mystery and mystery, you know, mystic things about it. And I don't know. I just love like the lore and I love, you know, hearing and reading about encounters of just different things. You know, it's, I don't I love everything to do with the paranormal. I'm a huge geek about it and it's awesome. I just love it so much. <laughs> now at, at one point during reading some of your, uh, some, some of your experiences that we've, we've mm-hmm. already covered, 
I was, I was starting to formulate a, um, a bit of a pattern thinking that much of this quite possibly was related to where you lived, the area, the, the home, um, what possibly had been there before. Uh And I, I started wondering to myself if any of these things had continued, uh, once you left that area. And as I continue to read, you spent some time in South Korea and things continued. Okay. So there was this one night specifically where I was talking on the phone with a friend who was also stationed in Korea. Uh, but he was a little bit like North. He was like right on the the border between North Korea and South Korea. So I, I didn't get to see him that often. He was really busy. And while we were talking, it was probably, I don't know, like really late at night. I'm assuming like two in the morning around this time. I don't exactly remember the exact time, but, um, so I was talking on the phone with him and all of a sudden in my room, I hear this really loud, really shrill female voice saying, why won't you look at me? And it, it, it scared me. Like I, I just stopped what I was saying. And my friend was like, uh, you okay? I was like, no, I'm not okay. Um, I just heard this and he's like, oh my gosh, like, like he didn't, you know, question it or anything like that. But, um, he asked if I like wanted to go and I told him like, no, like I, I, I would rather talk to you like right now. And what had happened is once I had heard that and, you know, once, you know, the night finished and I was just getting, uh, like, you know, ready for bed or anything, um, uh, I was feeling like, why was I hearing this in English? You know, cause I was in Korea. Right. Yeah, and exactly. now yes. did, did you hear this? I mean, was it, was it obviously audible that you, you were hearing it through your ears or were you just kind of no, like yes. hearing it, it in was your like, head? It was, it was right next to my head, like inches from me. And like, I mean, so I shared a room, I had a roommate um, and it was a small room, but I mean, she wasn't there. And I mean, she obviously wasn't next to me at the time. And um, yeah, it was like right there. Like, it's not like something that I heard in my head. It was like inches from my face and I could feel like, like the energy of it being like directed at me. And I think, I I don't know, like so much. So if it was like her yelling that scared me more as like the, the emotion that I was picking up from that, it was like a desperation, like the way that she said it, I mean, it was so shrill and so loud and like, she seemed panicked and it, it was like really like terrifying and I don't know. Like, I, I just never understood, like, why I was hearing it in English instead of, like, yeah, Korean exactly. specifically. Yeah, because I was in South Korea at the time. So, but the base, I don't know, were, just the base where you were at, I mean, obviously it had been there for, for years before. Yes. Yeah. It was there um, during the Korean War. I mean, you could go hiking up in the mountains and um, there would be, like, little foxholes that you could see, like, from the actual Korean, Korean War itself. And, um, we had this like tunnel facility that was like there just in case the base was like ever under attack by like um, artillery or, any- or anything like that. You could just run to it and, you know, mm-hmm. just hunker down in this like little tunnel <laughs> in the mountain. So I-, I don't, I don't know. I just never understood why I heard it in English and not Korean. But the fact that that place had been inhabited for, for, I mean, probably since the Korean war, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, been occupied. So, yeah. Um, I mean, potentially it didn't necessarily have to be a Korean 
person. It could have been somebody who passed that was stationed there. Yeah, I mean, that is true. Like, I don't know the the history of when, like, the U.S. acquired that base. I mean, it's currently no longer, like, a U.S. base. It's back to being, like, part of the South Korean Army's mm-hmm. bases. Um, I was, like, there one of the last years that, uh, that it was still running as a U.S. base. And uh, so I don't know the exact, like, history behind the base, which, I mean, I think that would be interesting to find out, like, to see at what point the U.S. actually took occupation of it and, yeah. you know, like, see if anybody maybe had passed away, like, at the base. I don't know. It was it was scary. <laughs> well, and, and women haven't been in the service for that many number of years. Right. But I, yeah. I suppose, I mean, as far as nursing and, and stuff like that, they probably were. Yeah. Well, and then, like, another theory of mine with the boys is, like, maybe – Maybe, like, my body, my ears heard it as Korean, and my brain interpreted the sound as English. Like, maybe it picked up on the intent of what it was trying mm. to say, and yeah. maybe maybe it, you know, translated in my head. I don't, I don't know. But, did, you, did you know Korean at all? Well, I know some. I, I just know very, very basic, though. Like, um, actually, for a while, I uh, would go to a Korean high school every week and teach English classes to high school and middle schoolers. Um, oh, but nice. yeah, but I mean, I don't know that much Korean and I've, I've definitely lost most of what I do know. I just know like the basics of like how to get around and how to order food and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah. Weird, man. You've had, you've had a lot of experiences. <laughs> yeah, I have. And I don't know I, that, that experience specifically is like really kind of what jump started, like the passion that I had, you know, as a child for the paranormal, like back into my adult life, you know, cause I, I, had a point where I just kind of didn't really pay attention to it or care about it anymore. And like that experience, I don't know, like it could have been like some divine intervention or something. Like maybe it wasn't even there, you know, like maybe it was like the universe or something trying to get me to be interested in it again, you know, maybe for some other purpose. I don't really know. I I tried thinking about it like, cause it doesn't make sense to me. Like if I heard it in English, but I was in a different country, why did I hear it in English? Did I actually hear it or was it like planted there? I just don't really know. But I mean, it did catapult me into like wanting to learn more about the paranormal. And like now that I was an adult, like, like really just kind of figure out, I don't know, more about like what it was. And well, a lot of people who experience uh, interactions with Sasquatch mm -hmm. will, will talk about mind speak where they have words and phrases and sentences that are, they claim are planted basically planted in their head and they're uh-huh. in normal English. You know, they, they're, right. they're not what you would expect a, a Sasquatch to sound like, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's something in the same. I mean, maybe, I mean, I, I don't know of any, like, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know who would have been planting or mm. what would have been planting those thoughts, but. Um, Someone was definitely trying to get your attention. Yeah, no, they definitely did. <laughs> I was uh, a little bit nervous to go to sleep that night. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you were in the military, yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you had, uh, your weapons were in your room, and, you know, you're surrounded no, by... No, we, we kept, I mean, unless we were, like, under alert from, like, you know, the possibility of war breaking out again, yeah. which happened pretty frequently, you know. <laughs> but unless that <laughs> happened, you know, our weapons were stored in a secured, like, 
vault basically. And, but I mean, I don't know. It was just like, there's obviously other people that live like in the barracks right with you mm-hmm. and the walls are pretty thin, but they're not that thin and they're not. And, and Oh, and my room was on the corner of a hallway where two of my walls were exterior walls. One was into the uh, hall and then the other was like a neighboring room. So like, I was like, it's not like I had rooms all around me. So I just don't know. Like, and it was like right there by my head. Like I heard it like audibly. It wasn't like inside my brain or anything like that. Um, And I could feel like the energy coming off of it. And that's like, I think the part that freaked me out the most, like more than the voice itself was just like, the overall like vibe that I got with that, it was just, Oh my gosh, it was awful. (laughs) So that, that wasn't the only one though. All right. No, no, no. (laughs) While I was in Korea, no. Um, in the same barracks room, I actually about like for like the last two or three months before I was, you know, getting ready to leave. Um, almost every morning I would have, I'd be woken up by this like male energy that would be like standing close to my bed and so I, I I am a sleep talker and he was exploiting that and he was laughing and then every time he would laugh and I I was slowly kind of become conscious that I was talking in my sleep that there was somebody in the room with me and then every time he would like start laughing because of whatever I was mumbling I don't I don't know but um it would wake me up and then he'd be gone right he wasn't like it wasn't like um like I was having sleep paralysis or anything like that. Like I could still move, you know, I would sit up straight up like in my bed and I would just be like, what the heck, you know? Like I I just felt like (laughs) whatever, you know, he was doing was like exploiting me like for like a good time. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, what gets me about you is your, your, your positive outlook on, on many of these experiences. you you laugh about it. And I don't know if you're laughing out of it, laughing at it because it's kind of a nervous thing or if, if you actually find humor in it. I mean, it's, you know, some people would just be freaked the hell out by this and, and you seem to kind of just roll with the punches and, and it doesn't seem to be something that scares you or terrifies you. Your call has been forwarded to an... Hello. (laughs) Hello. Emily? Are you there? Hello? Hello. Hi. That was weird. A third time? <laughs> no, that wasn't on my end at all. I don't know why my hung up. My phone has been so I have headphones plugged into my phone, and my phone has been sitting on my desk. Yeah, and mine mine still had your name up. It had you know the uh, 
um, the screen that has the headphones and the keypad and all that. I was, I was still talking. Wow. <laughs> what, what is happening? I don't know. <laughs> Am I not supposed to talk about like that guy? I just don't understand. Cause like, what is That's when it cut off last time too. It I did. The first time. Yeah. Yeah. Because we had not gotten to, uh, well, yeah, you're right. That is so <laughs> what odd. Is this? For the for the <laughs> listeners, um, when when Emily and I first recorded our our show, uh, say a week ago, um, we had gotten into the very same story that she was just telling, and um, power in at my residence. On a perfectly clear, beautiful, sunny day, power went out for no good apparent reason. And uh, it came back on, and we continued to record, but from that point on, everything that we recorded was corrupted, and it would not, uh, so we, it, it wouldn't work. So we rescheduled to finish our conversation for today, and now again, during the telling of the same story, <laughs> um, we have we have this debacle between our phones where apparently something someone doesn't want you talking about I, this gentleman and I don't who. I understand why. <laughs> that is like, so bizarre. Okay, because when I went and I saw like a card reader, my mom had set me up with her. Um, like after I got home from Korea. Um, the person was like, oh, yeah, I don't feel him, like, around you. Like, he's not, like, a negative thing or anything like that. Like, she said he was gone. Like, he didn't follow me or anything like that. So I just don't know, like, what is happening. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't have, understand. Have you had any kind of, like, similar experiences telling this story to anyone else before? No, but, okay. I'm going to say this, okay. Here, here we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There has been kind of similar things to that at my current apartment that I live in now that have been going on on and off since I've lived here. But it's a, it's a male, but he changes his voice. And, and what happens is I'll be asleep and um, it'll, it'll be about like eight in the morning or something. And if I sleep past like eight, eight thirty, this always happens. And he will yell my name or say like, Hey, so it'd be like, Emily, you're like, hey. And then then I'll hear a loud knocking on my front door, like someone's there. And naturally, it freaks me out. I get up, and I go to the door. Nobody's there. And it's happened to my three-year-old son. The same thing, he, he, he thought that I called for him and, like, came to my room, like, scared. And um, Oh, my. Yeah, and I've heard him, like, yell, Mommy. Like, and then the same thing happened, knocking on the door. Oh my gosh, like, <laughs> I hope it's not connected. <laughs> well, I think what? once, once we, before I re realized that we had gotten disconnected, I was, I was making the point that, you know, so many of these experiences that you've talked about, you, you have a tendency to, to laugh and, and kind of, you know, giggle about. And, yeah. and I don't know if that's a, if that's a nervous reaction to, you talking about it or if you're just really not that 
affected by by these weird things. And at that point, then I heard the disconnect tone. And then, yeah. you know, you called me back, but you weren't there. And then I called you and you weren't there. And then finally on the third time, we got back again. So, yeah, I don't know what the hell is going on, but this is kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, I don't. And, I, and thankfully, I never shut off the recording. So, um, yeah, that's good. I, I'm going to leave all this in. <laughs> I mean, personally, like, I'll get, like, nervous or scared, like, in the moment, especially with something that's super intense. I think that's a natural human reaction. But, um, but I mean, once I think about it, I sit down and I think about it. I'm just like, you know what? Like, it happens. Like, I it's a learning experience. You know, I can apply this, like, later. Like, you know, and... I don't know. Like it doesn't bother me like that anymore. Um, I'm actually like pretty thankful, like for experiences when I have them, you know, I think it's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Like I, I think that it's interesting to be open enough to having situations like that happen and, you know, recognizing when things are weird or not brushing it off, you know, and I don't know. Like I, I, I think it's cool. I, it's not like I like actively, you know, go searching to have experiences or anything like that. But um, when they happen, like, I do learn from them and I don't know, like I'm just thankful that I guess I do have a positive mindset on it. I can only imagine if somebody was like being terrorized by stuff and and they didn't think about it positively, but. Well, I think it could easily, it could easily be misconstrued as that, especially with the amount of experiences you've had starting at Mm -hmm. a very early age and, Mm -hmm. and it's pretty much continued on through the rest of your life. So. Yeah. It, I, I suppose that it would be a blessing that you, you at least you take it in stride and yeah well I, I guess that um, I recognize that okay so my theory on it on it is is like I know that a lot of people would jump and be, immediately be like oh it's something evil like but um, you have to think about all the people that have been alive on planet earth right mm-hmm. you have to think about out of all those people you know most humans are pretty decent. They're not going to go out of their way to like hurt you or harm you in any way. And so I would think that the same would apply in the afterlife, you know, whatever the afterlife is, if there is such a thing, if it's just energy that hangs around, you know, Mm -hmm. science doesn't really have an answer for that yet, but either way, there's still significantly more good than there is bad. So I don't know. I just, like, I'm cautious, sure, but at the same time, like, I understand that, realistically speaking, most things that are there aren't there to hurt me. And I can also, like, with my, like, abilities or, I don't know, gifts, I don't know, I don't really know what to call them, but um, I also can, like, pick up a lot on a situation as they happen itself, like, to where, um, like, I can get the impression of, like, the message of, of what's being said. Like, like with that, the one, like male energy that I was picking up in Korea and even the, the stuff that happens here, like that, that, that are kind of similar parallels. Um, I know that it's just someone that's like trying to be playful. Cause I can feel that I can sense You're that, not you know, so malevolent, like, uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Not right. Bad pun. Yeah. So I think that does help a lot with me being able to like be positive about it because yeah. I, I can, I get like a, a deeper sense of like, what they're trying to do, you know, versus like be scared or whatever. I can, I understand like, Oh no, they're just trying to play and like, whatever. It's annoying, but like, it's fine. You know, like they're not here to hurt me. Okay. So you had, uh, 
moving on to the next, you had, you had yeah. an experience, what, when you were 20, you were pregnant with your uh, first child. Yeah. And so let's get into that. Sure. Okay. So, um, pretty much throughout the whole pregnancy with my son, I would wake up feeling like somebody was watching me. Um, I would wake up and I, you know, see on the, like, you know, close to the ceiling, like these little, like golf ball, ping ping pong ball size, like white orbs. And they would just kind of like be there and they'd be like dancing around and just kind of, I don't know, they were like really pretty to look at. And, um, you know, at first, like, I would always, like, be freaked out, like, because, like, oh, my God, someone's watching me. But then I would see them, and then I would immediately, like, get this, like, sense over me, like, of, like, protection and security. And I would just kind of, like, sit there and watch, and, and they would just kind of, like, fade out from within. Like, like the light within inside just kind of, like, fizzles out. I don't really know how to explain it. But, um, but yeah, I would just, like, sit there, and I would watch it until that. And it, it would only last, like, uh, maybe 30 seconds at most. Um and then I would go back to sleep. Kind of like a spiritual uh, mobile. That, yeah, uh, kind of like crib. that. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I could see that. I mean, whatever it was, it was definitely like um, a protective, reassuring thing. Like it wasn't anything scary. You know, at first I could like feel like somebody was like watching me, and that, that would put me on on edge, and I would wake up. You know, naturally, like if you felt like somebody was there in your room, you would probably wake up too. And but I would see it, and like I would, I just knew that it was like not bad and it was there like just watching over me or watching over the baby I don't really know but basically once I gave birth to him I mean he like the the orbs like in the room stopped at night like I, I didn't wake up feeling that or seeing it so that was pretty cool were they were they pretty consistent throughout the the pregnancy I mean was it yeah I mean it was like it was like every week or every two weeks it would happen it was like the whole pregnancy pretty much I mean early on until like pretty much the day I gave birth to him, like that whole like nine month period, I, every couple of weeks or so I would wake up to it. Wow. You've, you've got a very active life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I told you this before, like when you took interest in even wanting to interview me, like mm-hmm. I, it doesn't seem that way to me. Like to me, I'm just like, Oh yeah, I've had these experiences. But like, I don't know, like maybe it's because of the way that I look at them, look at it or something. Like it doesn't seem like that, like intense or like that, that active to me. It's just, it just is like life, you know? A hundred percent get what you're saying because I have found that throughout the course of doing these shows, Mm -hmm. I will get into a conversation where I am reminded of something that happened to me that Mm -hmm. at the time I knew was weird and it was not right. Um, yeah, but through the course of these interviews, I keep pulling up these stories from from my past, and I was like, I don't know that I really forgot about them, but I hadn't revisited them in so long that it was like, oh yeah, I did have that happen, mm-hmm. and I, so I get what you're saying that you know, I mean, they're not necessarily maybe if they were if they were terrifying experiences, they would probably have left more of a impact on your psyche right yeah i mean like that yeah that's true (laughs) yeah i don't know because like i i don't know like i enjoy talking about this stuff you know even if it makes me look to some people like i'm crazy or whatever um 
but like it, it's just experience it's like everyday experience it's like you go to the store you have a like encounter with like a grumpy old lady or something <laughs> and you know it's like the same level to yeah. me it's not like it's not anything that's like extra or out there in for me at least you know i know that some people feel different about when they experience you know not normal things right, right. um but for me i don't know it just feels like life so <laughs> well i think we're going to end this episode here yeah, uh, but, but we're not done. Third time's a charm. Yeah, <laughs> but we're not done. We are going to have you back for another episode, and we're going to focus on your your investigative group that you're with, and mm-hmm. all of the things that we've just talked about in this episode have led you to actually going out and being part of a, a group that investigates. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to we're going to end this episode here. And then we're going to pick up again with you and we're going to discuss that. Emily, thank you. Thank you. She'll be back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me this evening. If you have an experience or there's a topic that you'd like to have covered on an upcoming episode, please contact me at contact.uncomfortable.com at gmail.com You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter all at Uncomfortable Podcast If you haven't yet please go to iTunes and give us a 5 star rating and leave a review T-shirts are still available in sizes medium through 2XL. The cost is $25, and that covers the shipping to anywhere in the continental U.S. The show is growing by leaps and bounds, thanks to you, the listener. We've got some great content coming up, so stick around. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.